I saw that the, the U.S. Surgeon General uh, just put out a new report in warning in May that our country right now is dealing with the fallout and the effects from one of the, the largest epidemics, if, if not the largest epidemic in our country's history. Now, a lot of the effects and the fatalities take place most amongst those in our older generations. And it's actually, it's one of those public health crises that kind of has a weird name. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Anyone? Could you believe that the epidemic in which I am referring to is actually called loneliness? Loneliness. And this was a widespread issue even before the COVID-19 pandemic. But then when the pandemic hit, it hit at one of the worst times possible because of everything else that came along with the pandemic. Quarantine, masks, isolation, sickness, and death. And all those things did were accentuate and amplify the problem that we already had in loneliness. And now it increased it to a much larger and much more severe degree. And so the Surgeon General had this to say, our epidemic of loneliness and isolation has been an underappreciated public health crisis that has harmed individual and societal health. Our relationships are a source of healing and well-being, hiding in plain sight, one that can help us live healthier, more fulfilled, and more productive lives. Given the significant health consequences of loneliness and isolation, we must prioritize building social connection the same way we have prioritized other critical public health issues such as tobacco, obesity, and substance use disorders. Together, we can build a country that's healthier, more resilient, less lonely, and more connected. So we really need some help. This is a big issue. This is a big burden to bear, and none of us are meant to bear this burden on our own. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, what are friends for? Right? What are friends for? What are friends for? Let's talk about that, actually. But first, uh, let me introduce myself and welcome you all, whether you're online, in the room, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Madison County Correctional Facility. We are so glad that we all get to join together on a Sunday morning and be together here at church. It's an awesome thing, but uh, if you're new with us, a special hello to you. My name is Cooper Young. I get to serve as the associate pastor here on the team, and we are in part six of a seven-part series that we've been going through over the summer entitled Walking in Wisdom. As we have been exploring the book of Proverbs, hopefully trying to apply it to our lives so that we can live a better life. And here's what I would encourage you. Every single day, that you read a chapter from the book of Proverbs, you are taking a step in the right direction of not just being able to survive in this world, but also thrive. And that's what we've been trying to do all summer long. And so we're going to jump right in today. And so I'll tell you what the title of my message is. And it is quite simply, what are friends for? What are friends for? Look at the person next to you and say, what are friends for? What are friends for, right? What are friends for? Now, now, I happen to own a truck myself, okay? So I have a pickup truck, which means that you're everyone's best friend, right? We know that. 
when you have a pickup truck. Because if people need help, if they need help moving, I have the distinct honor and privilege of being the first call to help people move things. And that's a great thing. Okay, that was actually one of the biggest reasons why uh, I got a truck was so that I could be able to better help and serve other people, right? But every time I do it, people are always very thankful. They're very appreciative. They're like, thank you so much. This is amazing. You're so like, what can I do? And I was like, hey, what are friends for, right? Hey, what are friends for? And so uh, we're going to actually find out what friends are really for, but before we do so, we're going to jump into our passage today. And so we're going to be reading from Proverbs chapter 27. We're going to read verses 5 to 17. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, there's some under the seats. If you got a phone, you can pull that out, pull up the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, I would encourage you to download it. It's free. And then if not, uh, we'll have it up here on the screen as well. Here's what Proverbs 27 says. It says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but to the hungry even what is bitter tastes sweet. Like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger— Hold it in pledge if it is done for an outsider. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a, cur a curse. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. And finally, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so we've been doing the Proverbs all summer long, and so obviously it's still the summer season. Uh, but what other season coincides with our summer season here in central New York? Does anyone know? Apparently tornado season, right? That's a new thing for us. We got tornadoes all the time, and there's torrential downpour. No, that's not it. Okay, it's not tornado season. What's the other season? Anyone? Wedding season? Wedding season. Come on, it's wedding season, right? And so how many people have been to a wedding this summer? Anyone been to a wedding yet? How many, okay, how many, how many people like weddings? Do people enjoy going to, is that a fun thing for people? That's a great thing. Okay, so, so last year, uh, during the wedding season, I was invited to eight different weddings. That was fun, but that was exhausting and very expensive, okay, because that's kind of how it goes with weddings. But what I will tell you, a little fun fact about my life so that we hopefully get to get, to, we can get to know each other a little bit better, is that I am also a wedding DJ, okay? DJ Coop Dog, please don't call me that, but if you want to, you can, okay? But I'm a wedding DJ, and so I've been to a lot of weddings. I have seen a lot of weddings. I've been to a lot of strange weddings, folks, and I've seen a lot of strange things. I've dealt with a lot of different vendors at these weddings, and they've told me a lot of stories about strange weddings they've been to and the strange things that they've seen. So what's the moral to that story? The moral is strange things can happen at weddings, okay? I don't have time to give you a bunch of examples, so I'm not going to, but my question would be, what are you supposed to do when the groom cuts off the finger of the bride during the cake cutting. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do at that point? The night is shot. Her dress is ruined. You can't recover. What song do you play, right? So that's just, 
Weddings are crazy. And so anyways, um, weird things can happen, but that actually did. And so there are some things that are traditions at weddings that I also find to be quite strange, right? Now, if I keep going and you're like, but I love that. That's fine. I just don't particularly care for it. I think there are some traditions that we should just say thank you and leave behind the past, okay? And uh, one of these things, it's a very strange thing, but we do it. And so nonetheless, it's a tradition for some people. And so I have to ask couples when I'm doing their consultation, like, do you want me to do this at your wedding? And I'm referring to what's called the dollar dance, okay? Or the money dance, or the apron dance. Has anyone, anyone heard of the dollar dance? I've seen this before. It's a very strange thing. It's bananas, okay? Here's what happens if you haven't seen it before. Basically, any guy at the wedding can come up to the maid of honor and pay them money to go dance with the bride, okay? There is literally an exchange of goods, like cold hard cash is exchanged to dance with the bride. And the same is true for any girl at the entire facility, could walk up to the best man, give them money, and go and dance with the groom. Now, if that doesn't sound very strange to you, I apologize for being dramatic. Maybe I've seen too many weird things go down during these dances where I'm just like, we shouldn't do this anymore, okay? But it's a very awkward situation. It's a very weird thing. And uh, nonetheless, the question, the question becomes for me, what do you play during a dance like that, right? Because you're not trying to make this thing romantic, okay? So it's not slow music. You can't go too upbeat, right? And you're trying to keep it uh, as least awkward as possible because there's some very awkward situations. And so it's tricky. It's a tricky thing. And I'm not making a pun with the famous Run DMC reception song, It's Tricky, okay? I would never play It's Tricky there. But thank you uh, to my mentor, my DJ mentor, Mike Kevill, because he gave me a couple of options of songs to play, okay? So here they are. You could play Lean on Me by Bill Withers. You could play You've Got a Friend by James Taylor, or You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story by Randy Newman, okay? Because my whole goal throughout this dance that I have to do for people is to keep all of the weird uncles, the drunk bridal party members, random guy friends, and people that no one invited fully aware that this is a dance of friendship and nothing more. No one's shooting last shots here. And so otherwise, otherwise it just, it's weird. And I don't like it, okay? But clearly, dollar dances aren't going to do a darn thing when it comes to solving our epidemic of loneliness. So why am I telling you all this, right? Why am I even saying all this? Because we're certainly not going to start paying people to hang out with us. That's not the answer. Again, I made my feelings very clear about that. So why am I telling you all this? Because you know why? You know why sometimes in our lives, sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrow. But if we're wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me, right? When you're not strong, and I'll, I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Please swallow your pride if there are things that you need to borrow, for no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. There you go. Here you go. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. When you're down in trouble, then you need a helping hand. And nothing, oh, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me. And soon I will be there. Also a weird line. To brighten up even your darkest nights, you just call out my name. And you know wherever I am, I'll come running. Oh yeah, baby, to see you again. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you gotta do is call and I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a friend. You've got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. There we go. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, you just remember what your old pal said. Boy, you've got a friend. 
and me, yeah, you've got a friend in me. Okay, now that was exhausting. Okay, why, why did I do all that? Because if you don't know what's happening, those are obviously the lyrics to those songs that I played during the dollar dance. And what are those songs illustrating? They're illustrating what friendship is, okay? And, and, uh, because what am I trying to do for that poor bride and groom in that moment? I'm trying to facilitate friendship, okay? And, and these, these songs, they all remind us that we need friendship. We need someone to lean on. There is, there's no season in our life where we can just do it all on our own. We need people who are going to show up at the drop of a hat. We need people who are going to lend a helping hand. And we need people who can truly demonstrate to us what great friendship is. So then what is friendship? Well, last week, what did we talk about? What did we talk about? We talked about relationships, right? And the relationships we focused on last week, they all had to do with familial relationships because that's a lot of how we see our relationship to God and to others described in Scripture. But there is one relationship that I left out, and it's the one we're talking about today, friendship. So then here's my question. How many people have friends? That's great. I'm prom- that's a good thing. Now, I will be honest, if your hand is not raised, okay, if your hand is not raised, by the end of the message today, we are going to make it so that no one leaves the room without knowing that you have at least one friend, okay? Because having friends, being in community with other people, it really matters. But how we handle our friendships might be even more important. And here's why. If you want to have good friends, you have to be a good friend. If you want to have good friends, you have to be a good friend. And if we're going to survive in this world, we need good friends. So we need to be good friends. And it takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes being vulnerable and maybe being uncomfortable sometimes. But we all need friends because friends are different than family. You don't get to choose your family, but you do get to choose who your friends are. And so the relationship expresses itself differently. As a church, we have to figure out how can we both be a family as well as be friends with one another. And we're all living in a world that is cursed by an epidemic of loneliness right now. So knowing how to be a good friend and how to have good friends is what's both going to help cure and prevent those negative side effects from loneliness. So today, I'm going to talk about the three C's of friendship. The three C's of friendship. And so you can remember it by saying that we are going to be sailing on the three C's of friendship. It's a horrible pun. You didn't need that in your life right now, but I guarantee you'll remember it. So here we go, the three C's. Uh, From our passage today, we read, Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. And then in Proverbs 18, 24, it says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so what's the first C? The first C is this, commitment. Commitment. Commitment is actually really hard to come by these days, and the lack thereof is one of the main reasons why we are struggling so much as a society with loneliness. Because commitment is a key for friendship. It wasn't always this way, though, but in the past 10 years, there's been a dramatic shift in in people's willingness to stay in committed relationships, even fighting to do so. Why? What changed? Two things changed. Social media and self-help. Let me explain what I mean. Now, following 
the dawn of the age of social media, right? Uh, a revolution that was started with this idea that, that we will better connect people through various platforms. Humanity was going to become better connected through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, these kinds of things, right? And connection was the trigger word that everyone was using to help sell why we need these things in our lives. Yet, what we have seen in society is that we have only become less connected and more isolated and more lonely. Why? Because now that people could communicate with a much larger volume of people and with people at much further distances, the thought was that now you were more connected. And the reality is that when you have an online presence, uh, what we are finding is that it's not exactly connection, the kind of connection that we were seeking to fulfill our human need, but it's more of just a communication of information. There's not that, that level of closeness that we all need. And so uh, you can also be known of by millions of people all around the world, and yet no one actually truly know you. And so we have hundreds, some people have thousands of followers and friends on social media, yet when disaster strikes or when you get sick and all you need is just someone to bring you some soup, we have less and less of those relationships in our lives. No one who can actually meet our physical and our embodied needs. And now, the other negative thing is that, you know, if someone posts something you don't like or says something you don't like on social media, what do you just do? One click. And you unfollow them, right? And you unfriend them. And when you unfriend people over and over again, what you are training yourself to do is to just write people off in the real world. And you're training yourself uh, uh, to just cut relationships and cancel people, and it's not a good thing. And right at the same time that social media was becoming much more of a thing, so was this idea of the self-help movement, okay? And that essentially follows this mindset that if other people are dragging you down, or if they are making your life harder, then you don't need that, and you should just cut them off and go do you, right? Like, you just go do you, treat yourself, like, you don't, like, that's what people, that's the mindset people have adopted. This idea of just, just worrying about your own self. And, and I am all for living a healthy life and taking care of yourself, but we are becoming worse and worse at being good friends because of how we're being trained by social media. Because that's not how friendship works in the real world. You don't just cut people off right when they say something that they didn't mean or that came across wrong. And so if we're going to be good friends in the real world, then we are the ones that show up when disaster strikes or when someone gets sick. We don't ditch people when their life gets harder. We need to value loyalty in our friendships. I want us to be the committed ones. I want us to be known for being people who stay when it's hard, when seasons of life are harder than others. We don't just unfriend someone when they have differing opinions than us. Because if you're only friends with people who share all the same opinions as you, or only see the world as you do, then basically what you're doing is you're putting yourself in this echo chamber, and you're surrounding yourself by all of these yes people who are just making you feel like you know all the right things. And Solomon actually cautions us against this. Look at what he says in Proverbs 29. He says, Proverbs 29, 5, he says, Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. Those who flatter their neighbors spread nets for their feet. And so if you're just like in all of your like cliques and your groups with people who all agree with you, and you guys just flatter each other all the time, that's actually not super helpful. And it's like people setting you up for failure by spreading a net for your feet. And that's dangerous. 
when it comes to friendship because there, are, there might be some things that you are doing or that you're believing or that you're saying that you think are right or that you have convinced yourself is right and they're really wrong. And you need good friends to check you and lovingly correct you because they want what's best for you. And so that brings me to the second C, which is counsel. Counsel. A good friend is one that provides counsel for your life. Our passage says, Proverbs 27, better is open rebuke than hidden love. It keeps going. And then wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And then 27.9 says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. And then we closed with this one, which says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God didn't give us friends to just tell us yes all the time, right? Getting told yes by someone feels good in the moment because you feel like you're getting what you want. But when they're just saying it to you because you want to hear and then you do it and it doesn't go well and it was actually worse for your life, that's going to hurt way worse. And really, all your friends were doing were setting you up for failure the whole time. One of the gifts of friendship is that you are in a relationship where both people are choosing to be there. So there's this mutual affection for one another. And when you're able to have conversations with another person who loves you and cares about you, where you're both disagreeing, two things can happen. One is that someone realizes that what they've been doing or what they've been saying is wrong, and they become a lot better for it. Or both people have really good points, and the friction that's being created in that conversation and in that tension is shaping people into better forms of themselves. It's just like how iron sharpens iron. So you don't want to just tell your friends everything they want to hear all the time, because what that does is keep your relationship up here on the surface. And if you're already committed to being in that relationship with one another, then there is a freedom to offer counsel and to try and help your friends hopefully become more like Jesus. Now, what was Jesus' greatest miracle? Do people know? Jesus' greatest miracle. Some people say that Jesus' greatest miracle was finding and having 12 best friends as a guy in his 30s. Have you heard this before? Some people would say that. Now, that's a joke, but why is that? Okay, come on. Why is that? Because girls are usually a lot better at having friends than guys are. And you know what it typically is? Because guys like to keep everything up here on the surface, and all the guys are smiling at me. Yeah, it's true, okay? Up on the surface, they don't want to talk about deep things and real things. You know what I mean? It's just like sports and guns and beer and hunting and like all the monster trucks. I don't know. It never really gets deep though, right? And that is a gift that friendship offers us. And with that being said, here's what I would also say. No matter what season of life you're in, whether you're single, married, dating, engaged, uh, divorced, whether you're 13 or you're 93, okay? We all have some sin in our life that we're struggling with. Because we're all imperfect, and we all got messy stuff that we're trying to walk through. No one's perfect. And so, if you don't have an accountability partner or partners, I would encourage you to start seriously thinking about those people who could be there for you in that way in your life. Right? We all recognize the fact that we have stuff that we're struggling with in this really hard world, and we need to be held accountable by people who love us and who we trust to do so, who we're going to listen to, 
who we're in a committed relationship with, who we're, who we're willing to seek counsel from and welcome into those situations. So I would encourage every Christian, every follower of Jesus to have one to five friends of the same gender who you feel very committed to and being in an honest and open relationship with so that you can express anything that like weird, like ideas you're having or things that you're struggling with in life. Because if you don't, what that sin is going to do is it's going to pull you away from everyone. It's going to isolate you. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And so if being accountable to other people isn't regularly a part of your life, I would encourage you to talk to God about that and start seeing like, who should I ask to be my accountability partner? That's a great thing to have, okay? And here's how I know it's a great thing to have. Because James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote the book of James. Makes sense. And James is basically the Proverbs of the New Testament. And here's what he says. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so if you have that group, if you welcome people like this into your life, then you're going to foster deep friendships with other people and you're going to live a much healthier, happier, and healed life. But picking the right people is actually very important, which brings me to my last C, character character. Now, when it comes to friends, maybe you've heard this expression before. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. How many people have heard that? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Okay. That is one of the truest little sayings that you hear in the world that I've ever heard, okay? It's so true. And maybe you would agree. Maybe you've seen it in people's lives who you care about, right? They got around some friends, and that's what determined the trajectory of their life. Maybe you've seen that in your own life, but it's true. And all of the scientific studies and all the data points to the same idea. Everything would tell you that the three people that you are the closest to, that you spend the most time around, those are the people who you are going to become the most like. Whoever you spend the most amount of time with, those are going to be the people that you look like, talk like, believe like, exercise like, eat like, sleep like, handle money like, treat others like, and follow Jesus like. And this isn't like news. This isn't like, I didn't just come up with this. This isn't like a new thing, okay? Solomon tells us in Proverbs 13, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harms. And he keeps going. He gives examples. He says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself in sin, get yourself into trouble. And the last one says this, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And you say, great, this is Old Testament stuff. This is very old. We don't know if I, okay, well, look at what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. What's the point to all that? The point is that the people who, who uh, are most around you are going to have the most amount of influence over your life. And typically, you're friends with people who you like or you think are funny or have the same interests as you. And those are all great things unless their character is lacking. Because then you know what happens? you start to become like them. And so if you think they're super funny because they're really good at like gossiping about other people and tear them down behind your back, guess what you're going to do? 
You're going to gossip. Or if, if you like someone because they're like super good at video games and Madden and like, I don't know, Call of Duty, whatever people are playing. They, they like eat Pringles all day. Like, guess what you're going to do? You're going to game hard all the time, right? Or let's say that you're, you're friends with someone who's super fun and, and like they're having the most fun when they're at a party or they're getting high because that's how they feel like they can truly express themselves. What are you going to think about yourself? That that's the best way to express yourself too. And so here's where it gets tricky, okay? Because then is the answer to just remove ourselves from all people who aren't Christians? Do we just go like take the church and go build a new church out on this like faraway plot of land? We start our own little town and villages. We got farmers. We got people. We could do it, right? We could do it. No! That's not what we do. Why? Because that's not what Jesus did. That's the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus hung out with sinners, thieves, drunks, prostitutes, rich people, poor people, religious people, witches, sorcerers, blue collar, white collar. Jesus was friends with everyone. But here's what was true about Jesus, and it's not always the case for us, but it is a good goal to have in life. Jesus was always doing the influencing. He wasn't himself being influenced. His character was what was shaping the character of those he was around, not the other way around. In other words, you have to kind of know yourself enough in the sense that what are the practices or, or the people or the places that you're most susceptible to when it comes to being led into partaking in sin yourself? Because we should totally be friends with people who aren't Christians, okay? That's a good thing. But that means that they're going to be holding themselves to a different standard of living than we do, okay? They don't have to be your closest friends, but we should, in fact, have friends like that. Uh, otherwise, we're going to end up in like the safe little Christian bubble thing. That's not good either, okay? Now, there's no good answer for this. This is just kind of a tension that we're always going to have to manage in our lives. If you're newer to faith, I would encourage you that taking some time to grow a little bit in your faith and get a little more grounded and secure might be a good idea. Like, that could be a good thing. Um, but that also, uh, because it just depends upon, sorry, it depends upon whether or not you can be around those people and be the influencer without being influenced. And that's what brings me to this last thing. Because all of us today, I would encourage you to go home and go through your list of, of, of friends or people that you follow on social media. And like actually like take the time to go through. And like look at people. And then ask yourself the question, is this person having a positive influence on my life? Or are they just like causing me to do things or think things or believe things that aren't that helpful and, and are probably not good? And it might be a good idea to go through and start to unfollow people even though you think they're like these cool influencers because they're probably influencing you in the wrong direction. So that's a good thing. Now here's what I'll say, okay? When I was a sophomore in high school, there was one night. There was one night when I was a sophomore in high school. I was at my, my buddy's house, my friend's house, and there was a bunch of dudes in a room, okay? And so the more guys you get in a room, the stupider the situation gets. Now that's, I don't mean, like that's just science. That's a direct correlation. If you look at the graph, more guys, the worst decisions are made. So, you know, it's a summer night, and it's getting darker, and what do they all want to go do? They want to go ding-dong ditching, right? Which 
I'm like, why? <laughs> like, you're just going to run around a neighborhood, get sweaty, hide in bushes, get all cut up and ring doorbells? What is that? Like, that's not a good use of time. Anyways, and it's against the law. And so I was like, guys, it's against the law. I'm not going. And they're like, fine. Now, why was that? Because honestly, they were like my friends, and I wasn't like super influenced by them. Like, I wasn't trying to be impressive to them. So I sat in my friend's basement with his elementary age younger sister, and we watched High School Musical. And it was it was a fine hour of my life. Did his dad come down and make fun of me? He did, but that was fine. I had tougher skin than that, right? And so the uh, two of them get caught by the cops, and it was a whole thing. Yeah, it was a whole thing. But anyways, but it was fine because those friends in that moment didn't have a lot of influence on me, right? They, they weren't causing me to do the wrong things. A lot of the time, not in that situation, but a lot of time, I actually had a positive influence on those friends, and none of my friends were Christians in high school, right? And so uh, were there times when they were bad influences on me? Totally. That's when I was a sophomore in high school. And then as you kind of grow and you get, get into further years of high school, you get to junior, senior year, they're not interested in ding-dong ditching anymore. They want to go do other things. And so when that started to happen, I started having to say no to my friends altogether, and I just couldn't hang out with them as much. That's just what happened, right? And you have to kind of be comfortable enough and secure enough to know what situations you can say yes to and what situations you'd be better off just saying no. If they made breaking the law sound so appealing that I start breaking the law, I might have to start finding new friends. Like, that's probably what it would take. And so, when it comes to choosing friends, though, that you're going to spend the most time with, that you're going to be committed to, and that you're going to welcome into your life to counsel you and hold you accountable, you want to choose friends whose character looks most like Jesus. And this is what Jesus had to say about what our character is supposed to look like. He's sitting with his disciples, and he tells them this, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. He keeps going. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I told you that if you walked in the door today and you felt like you really didn't have friends, that there wasn't going to be a single person who I was going to let walk out the doors without knowing that you have at least one friend. And he is the best friend that you could ever ask for or imagine. He's the best. He, he, he always is there for you. He always wants to spend more time for you. He will always provide for you. He will always stay loyal and committed to you. If you, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're freaked out, you had a bad dream, he will be there to talk to you and to comfort you, into falling back asleep. If you, uh, he's the only person who's going to make you laugh the most and also cry tears of joy and always be there for you in your sadness. He is loving. He is kind. He's gentle. He's peaceful. He's courageous. He's beautiful. He's always there with you. He wants a relationship with you, and he wanted it so bad that he was willing to die for you just so that he could have the opportunity to be your friend. His name is Jesus. And I would encourage you, if you don't have any friends, or if you've never known Jesus as a friend, I would let today be the day that you really think about the fact of what Jesus went through before you even knew him as a friend, so that you could be friends. Because he shows us what true friendship is. And it's being committed and it's being willing to counsel you and correct you and love. And it's also having a high character, the same character that Jesus has. And we have an awesome friend in Jesus. And so to close today, 
I want to close by uh, reading off uh, this, this song. Some of you know it. It says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we, we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And then finally, do your friends despise and forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield you. You will find solace there. So, crossroads, as a church, let's love one another. Let's love others. Let's love God. Let's have good friends. And let's be good friends in a world that truly needs it. In a world that is plagued with loneliness. Where we are committed to one another. To being there for each other when disaster strikes. For being there for one another when life gets hard and when things get messy. Where we're willing to counsel one another in love, gently. Hopefully all together becoming more like Jesus. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it so that our character reflects that of Jesus to the rest of the world. But to do it, we have to do it together. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for what a gift friends are to our lives. God, I thank you so much that uh, you sent Jesus, God, to show us what a true friend looks like. God, I thank you that it's his friendship and it's his laying down of his life for us as friends that gives us the opportunity to have that relationship with you. A God who loves us, our, perfectly he- our perfect heavenly Father who loves us so much. God, I pray for people in this room who might feel alone, who walked in alone, who might feel like they don't know anyone here, that they don't have any friends. God, first, if they don't know you, I just pray that they would come to know you. God, that they would see you and that they would know you as their friend, God. But I also pray that they would get connected here at Crossroads. That they would begin to see these people as their family, as their friends. That they would know that when they come here, they're not alone. So God, help us to be a church that's welcoming, loving, and a church that's full of great friends. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's stand.